1: God gives gifts and talents to each of us that we need to use.
0: God has uniquely equipped each one of us for certain types of service. Pastor Greg Laurie says our strengths are given on purpose.
1: Uh, One is a great visionary, but not very good with the nuts and bolts. Another is a detail person. Everybody has a role to play. And every one of you has talents and gifts that are given to you by God that you must discover, cultivate, and use for His glory. This is the day
0: said if the only tool you have is a hammer it's tempting to treat every problem as if it were a nail. It's always best to have the right tool for the job and each of us is a unique instrument in the hands of God. Today on A New Beginning as pastor Greg Laurie continues our studies in Esther we'll see how Esther was uniquely equipped and chosen to prevent a catastrophic annihilation of her people and we'll see how we may be uniquely equipped to serve God in a special way in our time.
1: Let's pick up where we last left off. King Xerxes, the ruler of the mighty Persia. He had a lot of women that'd snap his fingers and a woman would be there, but, but apparently the king wasn't satisfied with just sexual pleasure. He wanted love. He wanted a companion. He wanted someone that actually cared about him. The king wanted a queen. So the word went out and all these girls applied. The ancient historian Josephus uh, believed there was 400 contestants And these girls had to be virgins. They had to go through an extensive makeover. They had a team of stylists there that would do their hair, makeup, and help them to become as appealing as possible to the king. And then the winner would be chosen to be the queen. And that's where we pick our story up. Esther 2, verse 16. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter on the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther. More than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. Now, if this was a fairy tale, it would end right here. Poor little girl becomes the queen and they lived happily ever after. But this is not a fairy tale. This is a Bible story. And Bible stories are true, they're history. And so here's what happened after that. The plot thickens. As Esther was made queen, her cousin Mordecai was made a counselor to the queen. And Mordecai made Esther promise him that she would not reveal her national identity. In other words, she was not to say to the king or anybody else that she was a Jewish girl. Now if that was good or bad, we'll deal with it in a couple of moments. But uh, that's the way it was. And she went by that. And uh, one day, Mordecai uncovered a plot by two of the king's guards to kill him. He revealed it to the king. The guards were arrested. They were executed. And he was never uh, rewarded for that or acknowledged for that. And so not only was Mordecai not recognized, but a wicked man was elevated. Instead, enter the villain of the story, Haman. Let's go to Esther chapter three, verse one. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, over all the other nobles, that would include Mordecai, making him the most powerful official in the empire. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by because the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Now you say, well, why was this? Well, it's interesting because there was sort of a blood feud between Haman's clan and people and Mordecai's clan that goes back a long ways. It's found in verse one. King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Now we read that and it doesn't mean a lot to us, but back in 1 Samuel is the story of King Saul. He was told by the prophet Samuel to kill the Amalekites They were the lifelong enemies of the Jews. And in fact, the Amalekites had attacked Israel after they left Egypt, so that's how far back this feud went. So Saul partially obeyed the prophet. He killed most of the Amalekites, but he allowed Agag, their king, to survive. And the Agagites were the descendants of Agag. So Haman was an Agagite, and Mordecai was a Jew. And so Mordecai is so ticked off that Haman won't bow before him. He decides not only is he gonna die, but all of his people are gonna die. This is payback time. It's sort of a precursor to Hitler's final solution. Anti-Semitism, let's destroy the whole Jewish race and wipe them off the face of the earth. So Haman goes to the king with his wicked plot and amazingly the king goes along with it. Says, yeah, okay, go ahead and wipe them out because Haman promised the king a bunch of money in return. We'll get into that next time. But incredible turn of events and a lot more to discover in this book and we'll get to that later. And so what do we learn from what we've seen so far? Number one, when God tells you to do something, do it. God told Saul to destroy the Amalekites including their king Agag. He didn't do it. Now Haman is a descendant of that man and Mordecai is dealing with it years later. You know sometimes the Lord will speak to our heart and He'll tell us to break off a relationship with someone that's pulling us down spiritually. Do you know someone like that? Someone that whenever you're around them they just pull you down. Or worse yet you're the person pulling someone else down. I just saw a wife nudge her husband. I'd like to know what's going on right there. But um, See, I have eyes. I can see you. I don't know if you know that. I see everything. I see it all. Yes. Uh, Maybe it's giving up something that's taking over your life. Something you regarded as an innocent pleasure that's now becoming something of an addiction. It could be a substance, alcohol, drugs, but it can be other things that you just become obsessed with and that thing or that pursuit is becoming more important to you than God. Maybe it's the Lord speaking to your heart and telling you to take a bold step of faith and do something you've never done way out of your comfort zone. Start that little Bible study at work with just you and a couple of friends and see what the Lord will do. Go engage that person that seems so hostile with the gospel, whatever it would be. If the Lord tells you to do it, do it. Coming back to King Saul, The prophet Samuel said to him in 1 Samuel 15, "Uh, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to God? He said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. In other words, Saul said, well, I'll offer these offerings. It'll be okay. No, God told you to do something and he didn't do it. And sometimes they'll say, well, I'll go to church uh, to a midweek service this weekend. I'll give, you know, a little more in the offering. I'll receive communion, whatever it is. You think some little thing, some ritualistic thing is going to take the place of what God really wants from you, which is your obedience? When God tells you to do
0: something, do it. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg is pointing out some practical lessons we can learn from the Old Testament story of Esther. Let's continue. Point
1: number two, God gives gifts and talents to each of us that we need to use. For Esther, it was extraordinary beauty. Not everybody is extraordinarily beautiful or incredibly handsome. I mean, let's just deal with reality. Some are given these abilities, some are not. I've had to struggle with this my whole life. Uh, What are you laughing? Gee, that kind of hurts. No, I meant that as a joke. Maybe one of the downsides of being beautiful as a child or a young lady, an older lady, a young man, and so forth, is people always comment on your attractiveness. She's so beautiful. You're so handsome. And, you know, they hear that. And some of these people sometimes can end up being rather shallow because they always kind of got to the front of the line and had some advantages early on. And uh, God wants us to develop the inner person too. I've never shared this before, but because uh, it sounds kind of prideful, but I was offered a very nice modeling contract. It was a hand modeling contract. Did you know there are hand models? So I was contacted well, Could we use your hand on the cover of our magazine? I quickly agreed until I found out the name of the magazine Old and Decrepit. That was very <laughs> depressing. I made that up. Okay, so Esther had inner character to match her outward beauty and she had great courage as we'll see soon. But maybe you have another gift given to you by God. It's not necessarily beauty, but it's brains or musical talent or artistic talent. Then again, you might be good at crunching numbers. Uh, One is a great visionary they not very good with the nuts and bolts. Another is a detailed person. We can't have all visionaries running around and we can't have all nuts and bolts people running. Everybody plays a part. Everybody has a role to play. And every one of you has talents and gifts that are given to you by God that you must discover, cultivate, and use for His glory. We're told in 1 Timothy 4.14, don't neglect the gift that has been given to you. Or as another translation puts it, keep it dusted off and in use. Use your gift. You might say, well, Greg, how do you discover what your gifts are? And as I pointed out before, sometimes it's literally through a process of elimination. Walt Disney, you've probably heard of him, quite a visionary himself, used to tell a story about a little boy. And as the story went, a circus came to town and they were gonna have a parade. So the bandmaster needed someone to play trombone so the little boy signed up. They hadn't marched a block before the horrible racket coming from his horn caused two old ladies to faint and a horse to run away. So the bandmaster went to the boy and said, why didn't you tell me you couldn't play the trombone? And the little guy said, well, how did I know? I never tried before. (laughs) You know, sometimes finding out what you're good at requires you finding out what you're not good at. So you volunteer, volunteer for that job nobody else wants and say, I'll do that. Okay, maybe that's not my gift. Ah, but another area develops. Trust me when I tell you, I never aspired to be a public speaker. Like most people, I was afraid of speaking in front of crowds. I like to work behind the scenes. I was more into design and graphics and things like that. But when I became a Christian, God put a call on my life to speak publicly. I fought it. I didn't want to do it. But uh, it was something I was sure the Lord called me to do. Maybe it was because I finally had something to say. You know, if God calls you to do that or something else, we want to take these gifts and use them for His glory. But it might be something unexpected God will call you to do. Point number three and the last point. There's a time to speak up and a time to be quiet. Uh, Verse 10, Esther 2. Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background for Mordecai had told her not to. Now was this right or wrong? It can be argued both ways. Some would say she should have identified herself as a Jew and by not doing so she was effectively compromising her faith. There's some merit to that argument but there's some flaws in it as well because sometimes you should speak up and sometimes you should be quiet. It seems sometimes some people almost speak up too much. (laughs) You you might be surprised hearing me say that as a pastor and an evangelist. You speak up too much. I've I've seen some Christians like it's overkill. Everybody they talk to, they feel they have to give a complete gospel presentation to. It's this constant drone. you know. And that is not the best way to do evangelism. Sometimes one of the best things to do to engage a non-believer is just listen to them for a while and get to know them a little bit better. But then when the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak up, But some people are always talking, talking, but the problem is they don't back it up with their lifestyle. So you wanna live that godly life. I'm telling you, it's a huge plus for the church when Christians just go out there and they're faithful to their spouses. And they keep their marriages together. And if they're a single person, they don't have sex before marriage, and they work with integrity, and they work hard. That's a great testimony. Do that, be that. But then when the moment comes, speak up. And we have to give credit to Esther. She delivered when it was needed. She put her life on the line and spoke up for her people and as a result saved the nation. Why did Haman want to kill all the Jewish people? I think this is bigger than Haman. This is about the devil. The devil wanted to kill them, why? Because the devil knew that through the Jewish people, the Messiah would come. How did he know that? It goes way back to the Garden of Eden after our first parents ate of the forbidden fruit. And God said to Satan, there is coming one who will crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. So the devil knew that Jesus was coming, Messiah was coming, and he would come as a Jew. So he tried to stop Christ from coming. He inspired the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, to kill all those Jewish baby boys. He inspired Haman to come up with this plot to eradicate The Jewish race. And then later on he entered the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Christ and to help orchestrate the crucifixion. But you know what? It was all according to God's plan because Messiah had come to this earth, yes, to love us, yes, to teach us. But ultimately, why did Jesus come? He came to this earth to die for our sins. Because we've all sinned. And Satan failed and Christ succeeded. He voluntarily laid his life down for us at the cross of Calvary and took the wrath of God on himself as he hung there in our place. And then he rose again from the dead and he's alive. And now he stands at the door of each heart and he knocks. And he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. If you would like Christ to come into your life, if you would like your sin forgiven, If you would like to be a child of God, he's just a prayer away. So let's all bow our heads and pray. And Father, I pray now for any person here that does not yet know you. Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince them of their need for you and help them to come to you and believe in you now. We would pray, amen.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg can help you do that right now.
1: A simple prayer is right. In fact, I would like to just pray a prayer and I would ask you to pray it after me. You might even pray it out loud. This is a prayer I've led a lot of people in over the years and I've seen God change lives. There's no magic in this prayer. It's the God you're speaking to who will hear this prayer and answer this prayer. So if you want Christ to come into your life, if you want to be sure your sin is forgiven, if you want to be confident that you will go to heaven when you die, just pray this prayer, even out loud after me right now. Pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, but I also know that you are the Savior because you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. And forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for answering this prayer, Lord. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture. God Almighty has heard your prayer, and he will answer this prayer. You are now a newly minted child of God. So congratulations, you've made the right decision, and welcome to the family of God. I want to send you a special gift because of that prayer you've just prayed. It's called the New Believers Growth Packet, and in it is a copy of the New Testament in a very understandable translation called the New Living Translation. It also is filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've made to follow Christ. And there's some other outstanding materials in this little packet I'll send you as well. So order your copy today, and let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God.
0: And to get that New Believers Growth Packet, just get in touch, and we'll be glad to send it right out. You can call us on 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Next time, more from our studies in the dramatic book of Esther. Hope you'll join us next time right here on A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Plot Thickens. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1800 00 50 11 or at visionstore.org.au Station sponsor.